You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. How's everybody doing on this summer day? Not many more of those Sundays that we can say that, is it? Summer is just flying by so quickly. I just want to say welcome to Riverside Community Church. My name's Dave Longstreth. I'm the outreach pastor here. So good to have you with us this morning. And if I haven't had the opportunity yet to meet you, if you're new with us today or we just haven't connected, I'm going to be around the stage here after service. I'd love the opportunity just to introduce myself and get to know you a little bit better. If you're listening by podcast, we miss you. Uh, sad that you can't be here today, but we're here every uh, Sunday, 9 and 11. So join us um, at either Oakmont or the Mills. I want to invite all of us here today, you can dig out your smartphone and you can follow along in my notes this morning um, on our Riverside app if you have our app. If you don't, you can just go out to the app store, look for Riverside Community Church, you'll see our logo there, and that is our app. You can follow along in our, our notes. There's also all kinds of other great, interesting stuff for you to check out in there, um, including upcoming events and uh, things like that. So here we are. We're finishing up our annual theme for this past year. You see that step forward sign up there? We've been looking at it for a while. We've been in this step forward theme since uh, September of last year, and this is it. We're on the final leg of it. Uh, Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Each week we've been challenged in some way now to step forward in our faith and to put our faith into action. This week, we're going to be beginning part three of our summer trilogy series that we titled Page Turner, and we are starting this section called Overcome. On social media, we're using the hashtag OvercomeRCC, and if you are interested in posting anything on there, any thoughts that you might have, you could use that hashtag. You could even just go out and search that hashtag and see if anybody else uses it. I don't know. Let me know if they do, okay? All right, because I don't know if anybody uses hashtags or not. I do, but I don't know if I've used that one yet. So the theme of this summer is to step forward with your best story. So with that in mind, I want to ask you a question here, actually two questions. First of all, what is your best story? Think about that for a second. What's your best story? And number two, are you living it? Are you living it? Or is there still some room for improvement? I can honestly say to you that I have a lot of room to grow still. Uh, Hopefully I'm getting on my way to my best story and living that out, but I'm not there yet. And I continue to craft this story of my life, and hopefully one day, whenever I get to the end of that life, I'll look back and I'll say, yes, I have lived my best story. Uh, Thanks to God and all glory to him. So let me ask you another question today. Has anybody ever been overwhelmed? Okay, raise your hand nice and high if you have. Has anybody ever been underwhelmed? It's not good to be either overwhelmed or underwhelmed for too long, is it? We just need to be whelmed, right? Uh, is that a real word? I don't know. Look it up. Let me know. Okay. But I, I, you know, you, overwhelmed is okay for a, a, a season, right? It kind of like gives you a little fire, a little fuel. At least it does for me. Being underwhelmed, well, that's, that's good for vacation or something, right? It's good to take a little season of being underwhelmed, especially if you recently moved or something, right? Um, or you had something that was crazy happening in your life. It's good to kind of unplug and be underwhelmed a little bit. But it's not good to survive in any, any of those environments for too long. Well, I remember one day, and it just, it just seemed like a few years ago, but as I was writing this, I wrote 
just a few years ago, on May 6, 2005, but that's not a few years ago, is it? Um, I remember the day we brought my daughter Kylie home from the hospital. She was born on May 6, 2005, and uh, we brought her home there, young Dave and young Carrie, with uh, young Kylie. Here's my daughter Kylie up front, uh, right there. I'm going to embarrass her. She's uh, she's cute as a button. I just, I, man. Did I cry this week whenever I was putting this all together? Maybe. But we were new parents. We were so excited that our baby girl finally arrived. And after a couple days in the hospital, we're, we're finally home. We're on our own. There's no doctors. There's no nurses. There's no nursery to help us out. Just us. Two young kids with a kid of our own. And that first night, nobody slept. Carrie and I, we would jump out of bed at every little noise. And let me say that these newborn babies make every little noise. You can't can't even imagine how many noises are. But every little noise, we were jumping out of bed and uh, walking over to her bassinet, which was in our room, probably like every five minutes, literally for the entire night. You'll see a picture of uh, her in 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 the bassinet there in our room. But I remember running over there all night long, all night long. But she was an easy kid. It wasn't long. Carrie and I were pros, and uh, she ate well. She slept well. She behaved. She was the kind of kid who would wake up at 12 o'clock and uh, not midnight, but 12 o'clock the next morning. So she not only slept through the night, but she would sleep like all morning. It was, yes, we are so blessed. Um, So I remember when my son Braden was born just a few years after that on June 24th, 2008, By this time, we felt uh, good about taking him home. We felt good about starting this new life with our little boy. Um, But not every kid is the same, of course. Um, We found out pretty quickly this uh, this fact. Braden didn't mind letting us know when he wasn't happy. Um, There he is. Tough guy. (laughs) Tough guy. I love that. So... uh, And that was a lot. Wow. Braden was a good kid, too. Actually, I'm just kidding a little bit because, honestly, if you know me and you know my family, you know that uh, we are very blessed and very fortunate to have two kids that behave really well, that weren't too crazy, that weren't too cranky. Um, We were even able to go out to eat as a family, even with young, young kids, and not worry about everybody around the restaurant staring at us and shooting daggers at us Um, because they, they actually did behave most of the time. So... But I remember uh, so many times throughout my life where I found myself in a situation and I had this sudden feeling of, wow, I am so overwhelmed right now. Can anyone else relate? Have you ever been overwhelmed? And most of us raised our hands. Maybe you're overwhelmed right now. Maybe today, even in this place, you're feeling like you're buried under something. You're feeling like the weight of the world is is on you, this, this huge mass. You, maybe you're feeling defeated completely, giving too much of something to someone or, or too, much of something, uh, too much of yourself to something, or maybe you're in, uh, you know, inundated with some situation in your life. And what I want to do right now before we even go any further is I, I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning and just do a little bit introspect here. This is a good time just to be real with God, be real with yourself. And just kind of breathe and, and reflect. Maybe you're overwhelmed in a negative way. Maybe it's a positive way. Maybe it's guilt, it's fear, it's dread, it's shame. 
Maybe it's something positive, overwhelmed with joy or awe, love, peace. Overwhelmed, another word, it just means something has overpowered you for better or for worse. And Lord, this morning, here we are, we pause just for a moment to reflect on our state of mind right now as we sit here. And we just bring that to, our, to the front of our consciousness today and we think on that. So no matter where we are right now, Lord, I pray that these words would speak to our hearts and speak to our life and give us wisdom and give us boldness and courage. If it's something we face in the past, Lord, let us remember those lessons of the past. And if, it's, if you're just preparing us for the future, God, I pray that you would do that. As we all give our, our full attention to you this morning, would your Holy Spirit speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I believe that we need to take on an attitude as humanity, but also as Christians, of I will overcome. I will overcome. When we're feeling overwhelmed, that we will say to ourselves, I will overcome. At least when we're overwhelmed with some not so good things. Okay, when we're overwhelmed with positive joy, love, peace, all that good stuff, then you know what, what's to overcome? Then just take that in. That's great. But when things aren't so good, that's what I want to focus on this morning. And like I said, if you're here today and you're overwhelmed, or if it's something in the past, you can take a look back at that and, and write down some life lessons. Maybe this is to prepare us for something in the future. Because I'm going to tell you, as long as life keeps going on, we're going to keep getting overwhelmed, aren't we? Situations will happen. Big question I have for you to start us off is, how do you step into your best story when you are overwhelmed? How do you do that? Do you just succumb to the forces that are overpowering you? Do you just give in and, and let up? Or do you overcome those? There's something special about becoming an overcomer. There's something special about someone, if you look at them and you say, wow, they overcame so much. There's a certain level of respect that you get for someone like that, isn't there? And something that we can learn and be inspired from. There's a depth of surrender. There's a depth of submission to Jesus and a wholehearted devotion to his best. No matter what the pain that we may face or the loss or the cost is to us, you know when, when you see an overcomer. You know when you hear about an overcomer. My prayer is that all of us would be able to overcome anything that we face through the goodness and faithfulness of God. And that's, and that's something that's huge when we add the God element to that. That's what separates us from those who don't have God in their lives, is we can overcome literally anything because God is the creator of all things, isn't he? And he has already overcome. In the last several verses of Acts chapter 11, Luke picks up in this story uh, after the persecution and the, time, uh, the, the stoning of Stephen, okay? The good news about Jesus Christ was being spread out to Phoenicia and uh, Cyprus and Antioch. You'll see a map up there kind of just giving you a layout of the land. Um, it's actually in Antioch that Jesus' followers are first called Christians or belonging to the party of Christ. And, and there's three times that we see in that scripture Barnabas and Paul, they help make disciples. And this is, the early, this is the early church in Antioch. Awesome things are happening. Lives are being transformed. Christians are, are known at this point now for being honorable, for being respectable, for being obedient to the word of God. They have a character that's above reproach. Things are on fire. The early church is moving. They were filled with the spirit and consistently they'd step forward. They would encourage each other. They would encourage others around them. They were taking the gospel everywhere. They rejoiced as they saw kingdom activity. They gave thanks to, to the many ways that God was showing up in their everyday life. Just, just years after 
the life of Jesus, life and death of Jesus and resurrection. They emphasize wholeheartedly dedication to following Jesus. They generously responded to the needs of others. And this was noticed. They gave strategically. They gave spontaneously and sacrificially. And this resulted in some miraculous movements in those first century cities. If you can imagine that. This brings us now to Acts chapter 12. It's the spring of 43 AD. It's in Jerusalem. And we begin with James and Peter. In the midst of all this overwhelming good that's happening, the enemies of their souls attacks yet again. Remember that the enemy wants to come and do what? He wants to kill and to steal and to, and to destroy all that is good. That's what the enemy wants to do. So let's take a look at this together. I'm going to read through this passage. It's not in your notes. If you want to follow along, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You don't have to. You can just sit there and take it in today as I read these words over you. But I want to read Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 19 to begin. And here it is. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, which was John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. And then he imprisoned him. He placed him under guard of four squads and four, uh, four soldiers in each squad. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover had passed. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. I'm going to read that one one more time because it's pretty key to what we're talking about. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. And suddenly there was a bright light in the cell. An angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. The angel then told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was just a vision. He didn't realize that this was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through, and they started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. And Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent an angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door and the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everybody, Peter's standing at the door. I'm going to time out here for a second. That just cracks me up. Okay. Because I'm thinking this guy's like watching his back. You know what I mean? Like they're after me. I just escaped prison. Let me in. And she runs. Okay. Anyways, watch too many movies. So she goes back in and tells everybody, you're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. I found that interesting. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. Hello. When they finally opened the door and they saw him, they were amazed. 
He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had let him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said, and, and then he went to another place. And at dawn, there was a great commotion amongst, amongst the soldiers about what had happened to Peter, if you can imagine that, of course. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him, and when he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. So that's Acts chapter 12, 1 through 19. It's our story for this morning and this um, page-turner overcome series. So right off the bat, we read that James, who was part of Jesus' inner circle, if you remember, he was the son of Zebedee, John's brother. He was killed for his faith. He was beheaded. Uh, remember that Jesus had told them that their can be no glory apart from suffering. He says that in Matthew 20, verses 22, and Mark 10, 35. So James, he was the first apostle to be martyred. And Peter was, of course, arrested, as we saw. Let me ask you, do you think Peter felt overwhelmed at these events? I'm sure by now there was no doubt in Peter's mind that he would need to embrace suffering in order to overcome the enemy first thought I want to point out is this, that overcomers embrace suffering. Will you say that with me? I think it's important. Overcomers embrace suffering. How many of you don't even want to say that out loud? <laughs> I hear you. In fact, Peter wrote letters to the early followers in order to comfort and encourage the overwhelmed, that they would overcome, and that these letters were, were written also for us who follow Jesus today. Many of the early followers literally had to face lions, literally face beheadings and crucifixions and palement, being burned at the stake. Just horrible, horrific, gruesome suffering at the hands of an enemy that only desired to steal and kill and destroy all that was good, all that God has made good. In Peter's letter to the followers, he states three of God's premises. Now, this is years after his imprisonment that he writes this, but it's found in 1 Peter 3.12, and it says this. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do what it is right, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. When Peter penned these words, do you think that maybe he was reflecting back on our story for today? Talk about feeling overwhelmed. His friend had been executed. He faced very bleak circumstances without a miracle, right? He then wakes up to a miracle having an angel for an alarm clock. How could he sleep? Wouldn't you be overwhelmed with fear and dread and fatalism if you're sitting in prison with chains on and you saw your friend be executed? No, not Peter, though. Peter was changed man since the resurrection. Jesus promised of how he would die as an old man put Peter to ease, put him right at ease because there was this also this large group of people praying for him and Peter knew the power of prayer. He really did. In the story of this miracle, we also see the practical. We see what? His chains fell off, right? Or they dropped away. He was told to put on his clothes and his sandals. Uh, that's good advice, of course. But uh, really, it's a sign of deliverance, if you think about it, and to wrap his cloak around him and follow the angel. And it was God who rescued him because who opened the gate? Not the angel. The, it didn't say the angel opened the gate. It said the iron gate had opened automatically on its own. Coincidence? 
or the hand of God? I think the hand of God, right? What does this tell us? Well, I think it's safe to say that God knew what had happened to Peter. God wasn't surprised by it. God wasn't in the dark about the events that had transpired. And God heard the prayers of his followers, just as Peter wrote later in his letter to his early followers. So the thought here is that God sees our trials. Would you say that with me today? God sees our trials. And that's something that we got, we got to believe, especially, again, if you're here today and you're facing, you're overwhelmed right now, these words speak right to you right where you are. If not, remember it for the future or look back to the past and see how we can learn. But God sees our trials. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, the scripture says. In other words, right living equals holiness and integrity. God knows when we're overwhelmed. And he has given us his Holy Spirit to be our counselor. He has given us the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, to be our guide, and to give us strength, to give us courage, and the boldness when we need it most. And not only does God see our trials, but he also, what? He hears our prayers. Let's say that together. God hears our prayers. That one you might want to tell yourself a couple more times, too, because how many times do we pray and we pray and we pray and we just, we don't hear anything, right? And we're wondering, hello, are you there? I'm praying. Do you hear my prayers? God hears our prayers. His ears are open to the prayers, to their prayers, the word of Peter said. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying for perseverance. Don't stop praying for the right priorities in your life. Don't stop praying for even daily provision and for God's protection. You're allowed to pray for these things and encouraged to pray for these things. If you've given up praying, maybe this is a time to renew your passion for selfless prayers again today. Be someone who prays. Imagine being a part of the prayer meeting for James and Peter. Just imagine that. The church surely had prayed as fervently for James as they did for Peter, didn't they? Was there something wrong with the way that believers had prayed for James as opposed to how they prayed for Peter? Did they use the wrong words in how they prayed for James and then they magically put the right words together for Peter? Is that why James was martyred and Peter got to escape from prison? Did they recite the wrong scriptures in their prayer meetings for James, but they did the right ones for Peter? Was their prayer posture not the same? Was there not enough faith in their prayers for James, but they had enough faith for Peter? You get what I'm saying, don't you? Did God love Peter more than he loved James? No, no, no. But we find ourselves asking these kind of questions about our prayer life, don't we? The sovereign choices of God and the lives of those two apostles, they were equally loved by God, they were equally needed by the church, and missed by their friends and family. They were good people. They were Christ followers. It invites us to trust God more because he's sovereign. He's sovereign. Who's in charge? Us? No. No. He's the one who holds it all in his hands. We can't see what he sees. We can't understand what he knows. We can't even for a moment think that we can escape any plans that he puts in place for our lives if we just lay low and play it cool, knock on wood and hide 
And don't say stuff out loud like God is with those who suffer, you know, because we don't want to jinx ourselves. Another takeaway from our passage today is this that God deals with our enemies. God deals with our enemies. Acts chapter 12, verses 19 through 24 says this, Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. On the appointed day of Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne, he delivered a public address to the people and they shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Gross. <laughs> but there is confirmation from extra biblical sources that the writings of jo- from the writings of Jose- uh, Josephus, sorry, who said Herod died at 54 after he endured a terrible pain in his heart and abdomen for five days. However, he died. The fact is, he died. He was praised and lifted up as a god. And he didn't give glory to God. Scriptures tell us that the Lord turns his face against who? Those who do evil. Pride goes before a fall and flattery led to his fatality. His ego got the better of him. It's another lesson of reaping what has been sown. And Herod's death took place about a year after Peter's escape. Just so you have the timeline there. okay? But we're in a world that still craves uh, praise and pleasure. Our natural tendency is to make ourselves our own God, to elevate our own status because the sky's the limit, and why shouldn't we? We still focus on the physical and the material world, and we too easily ignore the spiritual world. Our culture uh, lives by, by force and flattery instead of faith and truth. And one day all will be judged accordingly. This is what the Word says to us. And sometimes we are our own worst enemy, aren't we? But listen, Christ, he came to set us free from all of that. Christ came to free us from the enemy. He came to free us from sin. He came to free us from the world. And he came to free us from ourselves. John 16, 33, the words of Jesus In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So, my big takeaway question is this. How will you step forward to overcome when you're overwhelmed? As we're thinking about that, I want to invite the worship team back up. How will you step forward to overcome when you're overwhelmed? And like I said at the beginning, and I said in the middle somewhere, I'm going to say it again. If you're sitting here today, and you're overwhelmed right now, I'm talking to you. The words of God are talking through me. Don't hear me anymore. Hear him. What is he saying? And maybe he's preparing us for something in the future. And I even hate to say that out loud, but maybe he is. And maybe there's something in the past that we need to learn. 
from the past. How will you step forward to overcome when you're overwhelmed? At the beginning of Acts chapter 12, Herod seems to be in control, doesn't he? And the church was losing the battle, so it seemed. They were overwhelmed by this might of a horrific dictator and a corrupt government. But at the end of the chapter, Herod is dead and the church is very much alive and overcoming and the church is growing rapidly. The secret, a praying and overcoming church. My encouragement is for not only us as Riverside Community Church, but the capital C, the big church, God's church, throughout all the world, that we would be a praying church, that we would be an overcoming church. Is that your prayer too? Because when we're a part of that, that's a good place to be. That's a really good place to be. As we pray today, I just want to ask you to reflect. As we pray today, I'm going to pray some words that I feel the Holy Spirit put in my heart as I was preparing this message. As I pray these words over us this morning, would you echo them? Would you personalize them? God hears your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows your situation. Would you make this prayer, this corporate prayer, would you make it personal this morning? Let's bow our hearts together. Heavenly Father, I pray for all who are currently imprisoned in whatever shape or form. Some of us are prisoners to an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Some of us are prisoners of the material and physical world in which we live. And we're allowing the things of the world to have control over us. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's fame or lust or status or stuff. Some of us here today are prisoners to our own selves. Maybe it's our selfish desires. Maybe it's our need to be better than those around us. Maybe it's our feeling of inadequacy or a dangerously low self-worth. God, I pray that you would bring freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name. For those of us who are overwhelmed and who are facing suffering, whether it's because of our own doing or whether it's because of the brokenness of this world that's just beating against us, as if it were waging war upon us. For those of us here, God, who are facing death, maybe it's an actual diagnosis, maybe it's the death of a dream or of a relationship or a friendship or the loss of a job or some other catastrophic loss that's in our life. Help us to see that we have already been delivered through Christ and help us to experience and help us to embrace an overwhelming sense of gratitude and joy for your kindness, for your patience, for your faithfulness, for your love. Because no matter what situation any of us here today may face, we long to be overcomers. We don't want to go down. We want to thank you for the reminders that you see us, you hear us, 
that you will be our ultimate defender and we can place our trust in you completely. Please help us to come to you first. Please help us to lean into your everlasting arms of comfort. Please give us courage and counsel us, God, as we step forward to overcome. In the name of the ultimate overcomer, Christ Jesus, your son, we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.